so next up we have one of the big categories um this one usually goes long just as a warning but this is best moment um so this is a single moment in the game that um we thought was really cool and has we've definitely had games in here in the past where the game itself is not great but this one moment is really excellent yeah. that we have to call out um so that's what this is so and again if you're worried about spoilers this is the category where spoilers are going to become a it. big fucking moment, thing yeah. Um, it's the best moment. So we have helping someone cross the Evergate from Spirit Fair, Allison's panic attack from Tell Me Why, the ritual from Necrobrista, the trial from Paradise Killer. I've written the redacted machine. I will talk about that yeah. when we get in there yeah. from Dakuza Like a Dragon. EM4 Hades. I don't know what that means, but sure. I'll explain that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't shoot a hole in the surface of Mars from Doom Eternal. <laughs> Which is yep. really good. Best part of that game. Is... Yep. Uh, Deep Stone Lullaby from... Um, is that just Beyond Light? It's, it's Beyond from Light. the raid specifically. It's from the raid. But, yeah, okay. put Beyond Light. Yeah. And the last two hours of Final Fantasy VII Remake. The sporting event from Not For Broadcast. The play from Not For Broadcast. Quote, what the fuck is that thing from GTFO? Yeah. I know what you're talking about there. We'll get to that. Yeah. The, the quote-unquote ending of Hades. And the twist from... Is that the raid as well? Or is that the story? That's also the raid, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's also the raid. Cool. Um, so this is kind of... This is actually like loaded very much in when we added this stuff. So we'll do one each. We'll, just, yeah. we'll kind of jump around this list a bit. We'll do one each. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So helping someone cross the Evergate. So Spiritfarer is a game about dealing with death, basically. Like, that's the that's the, yep. the better for it's going with. Um, and the way that's done in game is you meet these characters in the world who um you basically you are you are Charon as well. Like you're basically you've taken over the job of Charon from Charon who's passed on. Um and you're basically you're literally shipping these souls to the afterlife. And you the game basically revolves around you taking these characters, learning about them, fulfilling, like almost doing their like wrapping up their business in the real world. Yeah. Or like fulfilling their final wishes or all of this kind of stuff. And then yeah. uh, at some point they will come to you and say and say, I think I'm ready to go now. And you take them to the Evergate, which is the point where you cross over, and you get this kind of animation of them. Well, there's two parts to it. There's the boat ride up to it, where it's just you and the the character riding up, saying like kind of saying the final goodbyes and saying what they're their life meant to them and how what you helping them have done there's some some stuff in there about the things you've helped them with and how what that means and and a bunch of that um and then there's the moment where you get up and they um they say their goodbyes for me it was it's it's a really good moment every time it happens but the one that really stood out for me was i wish i could remember the character's name but she's the hedgehog um, or she transforms mm-hmm. into the hedgehog, and she is. The other thing about that, the other thing that game does is when the the, the souls transform into like their animal forms, which, which is how you mainly interact with them. The yeah. age of the characters in their animal forms doesn't necessarily match the age they were when their soul trans- transitioned. So like, yeah. the hedgehog in there doesn't look like an old woman, but you very quickly realize is a is an elderly woman. And sure. there's yeah. a moment where her age starts to catch up with her, where you realize that she, they're basically inferring that she's suffering from dementia and that it's getting really oh, bad okay. by the time you get to the end. Yeah. 
where as you're fin- as you're f- helping her along to her, to her final moments and like seeing her grandkids and all this kind of stuff there's a moment where she goes to um all, all the characters when you're on the boat as you're traveling between have their kind of own cycles like one of them will go and fix stuff and one of them will go cook and one of them will go run stuff through the the sawmill she will go to the front of the boat and just kind of watch the ocean and you go up to her at one point and she thinks you're her daughter or she sees she ah, says you as your daughter and there's this it's so heartbreaking so when you get to the evergate and they say like i think i'm ready to go the thing that happens is the back of the boat is where you have your little rowboat that lets you kind of go to shore or whatever it is but that's the boat you take to the evergate and she's at the start she's at the 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 front of the boat and can't walk anymore unaided so you have to when she says it's time to go you pull up to the evergate and you have to walk her from the start of the Uh. boat to the end of the boat like super slowly helping her along the way and all of the characters who are on the boat when somebody leaves like all assemble at the thing to to see them off and you just slowly take her to the end of the boat put her on this rowboat and take her off and at the very end, like that robot, I think I'm remembering this right, but at the very end of the robot up to the Evergate, like she still at that point believes you're her daughter and is saying like, thank oh, you for helping me and all this kind of stuff. And then you actually send her off. And that moment is, it really crystallizes the, 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 the parts of that game where like you can very, you can see that game as a kind of Animal Crossing-esque kind of happy, cartoony kind of adventure thing. But like, it doesn't take much for you to take that next step and go and see a lot of what's happening behind these characters. Yeah, and that yeah. was the moment that was really much like, oh, they're just going for this, like yeah. really like, quite a lot. Um, and that was the one that really that I need to actually look up the character. I might change this to be specifically her ending, yeah. um, because it's really, really, it, it, it was really effective. It was really, really effective yeah. in that game. I can understand that. Um, yes, yeah, so that was me. Um, do you want to pick so my one? So my first one's the first one I've got on my list that I wrote down is EM4 Hades. Yeah, what does that um, mean? So this is kind of the encapsulation of why Hades is so good from a mechanical perspective. Okay. So when you're when you play Hades and you're doing your runs, you're basically trying to get to the surface, and at the surface you meet Hades, mm-hmm. and you have to beat him to then get out of hell. Yep. Um as you're going through that game, you go through the normal roguelike thing of getting like a little bit further each time and the more you get into the other levels you learn stuff and you keep going it's all about mechanical learning and eventually you get to hades and you're like this is the big final boss and he kicks your ass because he's really hard <laughs> multiple times and you're yes. like, multiple times you're like god damn it how the fuck am i going to beat this guy keep going keep learning keep improving get to hades eventually get to the point of hades where you take him down mm-hmm. and you're like yes i beat hades and this happened to multiple people so i know this is the case yeah, yes, I beat Hades. And then Hades stands right back up and he's got a second Fucking phase. I... And you're like, yep. fuck. <laughs> yep. So yeah, you messaged me about this. Several of my friends messaged me about this where they, it's like them going, fuck, I finally beat Hades. And then I messaged a minute later going, fuck, he's got a second phase. I have, I have, to, really, like, I have to really credit you considering you were ahead of me in most of the progression of that game. Like yeah. me saying like I'm fighting Hades again, and you just not giving away what was about to happen. Oh yeah, I I was dealing with multiple people doing the yeah. same thing, <laughs> yeah. and the best thing to do about that game is say fucking nothing about anything. Yeah. Is yeah, so you do that. Hades has a second phase. You're like fuck. You get your ass kicked again because he's got a whole new set of moves in the second yeah. phase that you don't have any idea what to deal with. 
back to the start, go through the whole thing again. All the while, you're, like, learning story, you're unlocking new weapons, like, it's, this whole loop is happening. Get to the end. Get to Hades again. Take out his first phase. Maybe you've, like, you've unlocked more death defiances, so you have more lives. Get to the second phase of Hades, and you've got two def death defiances. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. Second phase happened. Beat Hades again. Finally goes down, sinks into the floor of blood, like you do when you yep. die. Yeah. And you're out. You're out of hell. Um, you find your mother, you deal with that whole stuff, and you get sent right back. Yep. There's a The story you can see is that, like, uh, Zagreus is so tied to the underworld that he can't be away from it for too it long. It saps your life so it gets, as you're the further away. Yeah, it saps your life away, so eventually he just dies and ends up back in yep. the, the underworld. Get back to the underworld. Hades is just, like, uh, like completely blanks you and pretends like nothing happened. Like... Yep. Oh, you didn't get out. What the hell are you talking about? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So that's so that your conceit then to do more runs is I need to go and keep talking to my mother. So that gives she you the drive to keep going. Yeah. yeah, to keep going on this loop. But as part of you beating Hades, you unlock this thing called the Pact to Punishment, oh, which yeah. is uh -huh. yep. which is the modification on the entirety of the game, which is basically like difficulty modifiers of like yes. little things you can turn off and on to make the game harder. Basically, which is the like, thing that which is the thing that most Supergiant games have had in various forms. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you'll have more enemies to fight, or they'll do more damage, or you'll move slower, or you'll gain less health from healing. Bunch yep. of whole things. One of the main ones that everybody turns on a bunch of the times is called Extreme Measures, or EM for short, which is right. what people call it. Extreme Measures is a thing that says, when you turn this on, the boss fights will change. So EM1 oh, changes okay. the first boss fight, EM2 the second one, EM3 the third one. Okay. So... Most people will turn on EM first because that is it, it gives you a fair amount of heat and it is the most like singularly easy to deal with. Right. Because it's just one fight. It's just the boss fight. Yep. So you start on your thing again. You turn on EM. I have one, not done any of these, the... by the way. Yeah, I'm yeah. still on heat one. So, so you, you, know. you get you get you turn on you turn on EM one, you get to the first boss fight and it's the Furies. You realize that EM one, what EM one has done is you, you start having you, to fight. Is it important that you do all of these, or is it just a yes. bit four? Okay, because you need to see how this builds. Okay, um, you turn on EM one, you realize you have to fight more than one Fury at once. You're okay. like, great, shit. So you now have to deal with multiple things. It's not too bad. You can deal with it. Yeah, yeah. get through, get to Hades, deal with all this stuff. Get turn on EM two, get to the second fight. The entire arena that you fight the Hydra in has changed, and he also has the ability to detach himself and move around the arena. Oh god! So it's this entire right. remix of the yeah. fight. Uh huh. Keep going. Get back. Turn on the M three when you're starting to feel more brave. Get to the heroes fight. Uh, Theseus has a chariot with many guns on it, and <laughs> uh, Asterius the bull has a full bronze armor set. And completely, all the while, all the bosses have completely new moves that you've never seen before, and like, you 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 have to deal with it. Like, the, especially the heroes fight is really difficult. Okay. Get to the end. Get to Hades. Kill him. Eventually, you get to the point where you get to the quote unquote end of Hades that I'll talk about later, which yeah. is like ten clears, and you clear it, and they give you a story conceit as to why you need to keep doing it, which is basically Hades says to you. You've escaped so many times that the security in the underworld is clearly lacking. So can you just keep doing this, and I'll sure up the security <laughs> as you keep nice. going. Okay. Yep. Um, you're a pen tester. Really small little great. thing, but great. Yeah, you're a beta tester basically. A pen but then tester. Then you also get a message. Yeah. You you get a message that is um, something is unlocked to the contractor that is like the unlocking things in the world, uh -huh. and it is 
spend these gems to unlock the final level of extreme measures if you dare okay so you do it and you unlock em4 and you go through the you unlock em4 which is like when you do all the ems together it's like 10 heat in total right it's pretty hard yeah, yeah go through all the bosses get to hades you fight hades and you realize he's got new moves and you're like that must be M4. So, like, when he does his, like, spin thing, his, like, mm. big sweep, he get, he does it twice and he tracks you. So he, like, follows you around with the sweep. Right. Um, Has a couple of new moves in there. You kill him, you get to his second phase. He's got a couple of new moves, like the beam move he does changes, and there's a couple of changes in there that he does. He starts healing off of the pot. Take him out in his second phase. Goes down. And then the screen darkens to the point where there's only a spotlight left on Zagreus. And then his health power goes all the way back up. Oh, and he has a no. third phase <laughs> in EM4 that is any of the moves in the in the previous two phases, any of them can happen at any moment. Okay. He also, halfway through the fights, summons Cerberus as like a... Uh, like, you know how the, you've got the Chthonic companions that are like you summon Meg and do yeah, a yeah, thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does that, but for Cerberus. And Cerberus charges through the middle of the arena and drops rocks everywhere so if you don't know that's gonna happen you're fucked because you just die like it's crazy um has entirely moved and you're doing this entire thing completely in the dark yep. so you can't see where hades is at any moment you just have to react to it and know where he is based on positioning <sighs> Fuck. um all the meanwhile the music has cut into so there the the fight with the the with Hades has like two distinct bits of the music where yep. it's like the Hades theme and then the second phase it cuts in with like overdriven guitars and yep. drums and really really good stuff when he picks up the third phase it comes back to the heavy thing with the drums and the guitars but there are now two solo guitarists that are doing uh mirroring like kind of like a, a guitar battle over oh, the top of the wow. music that is okay um like a high register and a low register guitar that are fighting each other at the same time. That's very And it cool. is this like perfect mirror of like you fighting your dad and these this is going on. It is the the best moment in that game, hands down, mechanically speaking, of like when that game just shows you everything and being like, here's all the stuff that you've learned, here's all the stuff that um he has done before. Let's twist it, let's fuck around with it, and let's make you react to this. Also, we're going to do all this stuff with the music and all the stuff in the levels, and it is an amazing bit of design, and it's an incredible... The first time EM4 happens to someone, it is such a brilliant moment. It's so incredible, and it compounds everything that that game does mechanically. Sure. It's just amazing. Cool. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, that, um, that's EM4 Hades. probably also never going to see that, so I might just YouTube it at some point. Yeah, it's really sad, but yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alison's panic attack from Tell Me Why. This is just a really good moment in that series because, <laughs> as someone who's had mild panic attacks, it encapsulates that feeling really, really well. So she's, it's kind of her part of that story where between the between the the brother and sister, um, her part of the story is the fact that she's dealing with, like, her upbringing. Um, and also you you realize like dealing with so basically with dealing with anxiety and panic attacks and she has yeah. a moment where she realized there's a big moment where there's a big reveal and she basically like it, it's cool she does the thing where it's like i need to go get some air where you're like trying not to show the fact that you're you're 
having this. She goes out to sit in the back, the back step, um, in the snow, and she pulls out her phone and has one of the like meditation apps. Oh yeah, um, and it's the only time in that game that goes first person, and it goes first person inside her head, and she's focusing on this app, which is trying to get her to breathe properly, and you're mechanically trying to get her to breathe properly, and like the vignetting is coming in harder, and like her breathing is just like the only thing you're hearing. There's dialogue happening behind you, but it's just like it's it's just inaudible. It's just bass noises at that point, and it's just this really good moment of like replicating this real world thing exceptionally yeah. well and is really kind of claustrophobic and i don't know it's just a really cool moment yeah, of that's, seeing that done that's very very well um uh so yeah next if you catch a hole in the surface of mars well, I, we can both just... we can both talk about that but do let's talk about deep Stone oh, okay. lullaby then sure that's the so, bit lullaby, about. Um, so this is part of the deep Stone crypt raid in beyond light destiny 2 um so at this point in the raid there's a this is a specific point where after the second encounter where you've learned so far that what's happened is that the deep zone crypt which is like the birthplace of the exos the mm. the animate robots that are like sentient in the world it's their birthplace where they were invented and how they're how they went about being made sentient um you've learned that the fallen are broken in and are basically trying to steal the technology to make exos um so you go through you've gone through you've deactivated the security system that lets you into the crypt you've found the fallen um tech what like the the tech person is dealing with the exo thing of like trying to turn people into exos you dealt with him as part of that you have been sent into space onto a thing called the morning star station mm-hmm. which is a, a clovis bray station that was designed to basically destroy the crypt if anything ever went wrong gotcha but as, as part of that fight you've been sent up to the station and you go through this really hard fight of dealing with this um fallen tech wizard and fight him deal with it go through the station kill a couple more fallen and you get to an airlock and you open the airlock and you are in the outside of the space station huh. so it is raw space and there are like it's a jumping puzzle basically there are platforms on the outside you have to go across and sure but it is the first time in a raid where there is a moment of pure silence and like right. utter calm because you're in space yeah it's like utter calm you start going out into space and then this melody starts playing called the deep stone lullaby that is a very chilling piano piece i've put it in for best original track as well so i'll let you hear it but yep is this very chilling calm sort of piano piece that goes on and swells into this like light orchestral piece all the while it is contracted with the ai of clovis bray that kind of manages the station manages the deep stone crypt telling you why he did all the evil shit that he did (laughs) um and why it's bad that you're here and why nobody should have the deep stone crypt and it's basically saying to you you're the wrong hands for this technology, so I'm going to blow up everything. And when he means everything, he means the Deepstone Crypt, he means Europa, he means the station, he means everything. Yeah. And it is this moment of like utter calm after panic where this fucking maniac is explaining the fucked up methodology behind his entire worldview. 
mm-hmm. while this like while you're doing all the space stuff while this weird orchestral melody is playing that leads into this weird moment of panic and calm and dread and there's all these emotions that go through that is like it's it's a singular point in a lot of the raids in Destiny 2 that I could point at and be like that had drive that had emotion like there's right. something behind that um and it's still a moment even though I've done the raid like 10 15 times at this point mm-hmm. it's still a moment that in that raid everybody shuts up and like <laughs> right you can say like we crack we crack jokes we make we do call it and all that stuff but when Deepstone Lullaby happens everybody shuts up listens to Clovis Bray listens to the melody and just experiences this moment again yeah. because it is a truly unique moment in Destiny raiding cool. that was really cool and affecting to me that I just wanted to point out as like that's a cool thing. that's very good um, the, I've reordered this list by the way that splits it up into stuff sure. that we've done um, the ritual from Necrobrewster so it's kind of hard to yeah. it's kind of hard to talk about without talking about the entire story of that game but the the core premise of that game is that the coffee shop that you work in or that you run is the is the point where you cross over between um life and death where when you die you can go to this coffee shop and you have 24 hours basically to spend here um like dealing with stuff or like getting used to the, the concept of what's happened or or anything it's kind of like it, it's kind of similar to um uh very fair it's very fair yes um so you very quickly realize that um uh the main character whose god i her name has escaped me i need to look up the names of these characters because i it was it's it, the only reason i'm doing this is because it's been a while since i played it yeah. Um, Necrobarista. Um. Do 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 overview. God. Um. You're not even going to tell me the name of the characters. God damn it. Um. Begins with an M. I'm super pissed that I don't remember this. Uh. Can I look at a review? Will that tell me? Um. No, God, I Maddie. Thank you. Maddie is the main character, so she runs the she runs the the shop basically at this point, um, and she is trying to deal with. She's the the way the way they roll the story out is really cool. Where like, kind of similar to um, what they do with Haven, which I'm not it isn't actually on here, but. Um, that like hey everyone involved in this understands this world like we're not going to explain it to you in like a lower dumpy way like you're just gonna have to figure it out as you go so you very quickly realize that like while she's running this cafe there's some dark shit happening in the basement and you see the basement as the basement is actually the intro to the game where it cuts back to it cuts back in time when the game actually starts the first chapter starts but there's some kind of yeah. ritual happening under there with like technology and but there's like a straight up summoning symbol on the ground and you're like what the fuck is even happening and the whole point the whole point of that game is the 24 hour you you get 24 hours to spend in this cafe to deal with your final moments and if you go over that you go into debt and if you go into debt other people need to pay off your debt with hours so once they explain that mechanic to you um 
they, they kind of set it up relatively early on and Che who's the other one of the other leads in there is the who you very quickly realize was like the previous owner of the cafe but doesn't really own it anymore but hangs about there um yeah. basically the ritual that they've been developing is as people have been <laughs> oh god maddie is running a basically gambling ring under the the cafe doing the what's that i don't know if there's a proper name for like the thing where you run the knife around your fingers quickly i don't know what the oh five finger fillet five finger fillet she's running that as a gambling ring underneath it and people are betting their hours on that thing and she's taking these hours because you can transfer hours they they set up very easily and you think like oh she's just taking these hours like as a way to keep herself occupied and like people don't really need them anyway and she's doing what she's actually doing is feeding all of these hours into the tree that lives in the center of the cafe that is like feels like decoration but she's feeding all of the hours into that in an effort to bring che back because Ah, che has been dead this entire time and is living on borrowed time for like and normally people will go over by like five hours six hours seven hours when something special happens he's been doing this for months possibly years they're very unclear about that so this ritual is basically trying to take all of these hours she's fed into this tree as a living being and ritualize it into Shay every time to try and bring him back. But every okay. time she does it, she's tried it like three or four times at this point with um Ashley's help, who's their their teenager kind of mechanical prodigy. Sure. Um every time she's done it, she's made him progressively more sick. And this is more like he's starting to lose memories and all of this kind of stuff. Like he's getting worse. But she refuses to give up. Like, multiple times he says, it's done. Like, we need to stop this. And she's just pushing harder and harder and harder to get him back. And it's... Yeah. The thing I really like about it is it ties all the it ties all the, the narrative stuff together. It's visually super interesting as well. But it's not a relationship thing. Like, she is just... They're just, like... She is just her... Like, they're just best friends. Like, they've, they're such an integral part of each other's lives, but it's not a romantic thing. They're just, like, super close. She's desperate to bring him back and keeps pushing far oh, beyond... Oh, so it's, it's literally just a case of she wants this person back just because she wants them there. She wants them there, like yeah. Him... Because he used, okay. to run the, he used to run the cafe, and when he died, he handed it over to her. And she just wants sure. them back okay. to relive the old days and all of this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, But the fact that she keeps going despite him actively protesting and said it's done we need to stop this yeah. but and there's this yeah. internal tension between her and, uh, between him and maddie about like we can do it this time we'll get it right this time it's fine and the fact that it's actively hurting him as well every time they fuck it up it's just this really fantastic like tense yeah emotionally wrought part of that game to the point where it f- i mean we're fully within spoiler territory at this point, but the point where they're like, we're done. We've we've broke this machine completely. This ritual's never going to work. She just needs to transition. Like, he needs to just go over. Yeah, and they, leave, they, yeah. they go, they set this thing up and they go through the, the portal to the afterlife, or the, the, the point where they transition. And it's this tiny island um, with a grave already there. With, like, Shay's grave is already there. And they have their mm-hmm. final conversation. She turns around to do something, and he's just gone. And it's just this. Oh, okay. And it's just this moment of like, 
it just ends. It's just all when it, when it, when it ends, it ends, and it's all over. And she goes back to the cafe and just goes back to like helping these these last people who arrive there do their thing. And there's the the whole other side story with the, the kind of the the player insert of the person who comes in and has to be taught all this stuff. Who's again name yeah. I cannot remember for the life of me, but like he's learning all of this stuff at the same time. Um, also, really weird part of that game. Um, they have the debt collector called Ned, who um, works for whichever I can't remember the, the name of the organization that basically manages to make sure that all these cafes throughout the world are all behaving themselves. And like he yeah, knows yeah. what she's doing, but is like, this can't go on for much long. I can't cover you for you much longer. Um, he. And you see him, and he's got like um, this is game set in Melbourne as well. It's important to know. And yeah. he's there in like shorts and a rugby shirt and a scarf, sure, yeah. a rugby scarf, uh, a, a football scarf, and like a metal helmet, which they don't reference at any point during the game. And then okay. the game just ends, and it got to the end. And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like they never talk about. Like nobody else has that. It's not like a uniform thing. Like he just has that, and nobody no, references him. it. And you get to the end of the game, I was like, they still haven't said anything. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then you realise, oh, he's Ned Kelly, as in the Australian bandit who was, uh, who wore his own the armor. Guy, yeah, who put the, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're just like, that's oh, right. that's such a weird twist in there that you're like, that's oh. That's cool, I guess. Which, again, which I think is also really cool because if you're not, I mean, like, I'm familiar with it through us, like, through like just general knowledge but also like that's yeah. part of australian mythos that you're like oh that's a cool thing this game is definitely made by australians that's super cool yeah 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 um yeah it's it's it's, it's a really cool game and that, that the 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 core part of the ritual where like the final part where they do it is like it's it's really affecting that that part of that game so yeah it's cool um uh so next on mine, last two hours of Final Fantasy VII remake, right? Yeah. It maybe isn't two. It maybe isn't two hours, but it's there's a specific point that. Yeah. So you you get through the Shinra building and you do the drive down the highway and you beat the ball. Yeah. And at the end, uh, you are met by Sephiroth, who right. explains that the so that you're throughout the entire game you're chased by these like ghost like apparitions, these like. Like oh, right. figures, yeah. Yeah. which is a thing that is not call- in the original game. I don't think. No, they are brand new. Uh, yeah. They're called the they're called whispers. Whispers. Um, and Sephiroth explains that they're basically uh, protectors of fate. They're there to ensure that things play out the way that they're meant to. Um, okay. So they like they protect they protect specific people because they're important, or they do things because they're supposed. Like for example, there's a point in the Shinra building at which Barrett dies. Like Barrett gets stabbed by Sephiroth and dies, okay. Um, and the the fates come and bring him back to life because he's meant to exist, so he gets brought back to life. Okay. Um, Sephiroth comes and explains, and then says, "I hate this. Like we, like you need to take control of your own fate." And cuts a hole in this giant, like swirling vortex of whispers that have presented themselves that are stopping you leaving Midgar. Okay cuts a giant hole in this and invites you to take control of your own fate. So you are... You have to chase Sephiroth because you have to chase him because he walks into fate and you're like, if he fucks this up, we're all dead because 
you start you start having visions of like Sephiroth being a bad guy. Sure. So you chase him and you chase him into this like hole that he's cut in the the whispers, and it takes you to basically a, t- a place outside of existence and time okay. that is controlled entirely by the whispers, and you go there. And you end up in a bo- the boss fight I was talking about in the the worst moment thing, which is like the the protectors of fate, and it is a big like big crystalline dudes. One of them has like a big crystal fists. One of them has a big crystal sword, and one of them has a big crystal gun. Gotcha. Yep. And you fight these things all the way down, and in the middle there's this huge fucking like arbit swirling vortex, like arbiter of fate that has giant hands and very JRPG boss. I was going to say, it sounds um, very um, Kingdom Hearts, almost. Yeah, it is, kind of. Okay. So the, 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 the things that this thing has drawn from Kingdom Hearts are weird, but... So you fight all this stuff, and you are... And all, in the meanwhile, there are, like, there are bits of whispers that are, like, flying through you and, like, trying to get you to stop. And every time you do, you have a vision, and the visions are things like Meteor coming towards Medgar, and you finding the holy materia, mm. and... Aerith dying because Sephiroth stabs her through the stomach. These are all things that have not happened in this game, but you know to happen in right. Final Fantasy VII because you're okay. a Final Fantasy VII fan. Yes. So you go through this, and as you keep going, it's implied that the people that you're fighting, the three crystalline dudes, are basically Cloud Barrett and Tifa from a different reality that are there to stop you doing what you're trying to do, which is basically kill fate which is stop fate from interfering because if fate interferes, then Sephiroth will win. Um, so you go through, take out the crystalline dudes, take out fate, you you basically cause it to shrink in on itself. So you then fight Sephiroth, who like basically reveals to you at the point at which the Sephiroth that's in Final Fantasy VII Remake is implied to be a different Sephiroth who knows what's going to happen in Final Fantasy VII and has oh, fucking jumped hell. back okay. and has jumped backwards to go down a different timeline. So by getting you to kill fate, he has ensured that something different will happen. Because it means that like Meteor is gonna be different, Holy's gonna be different, Aerith might not die, like everything has changed. So huh. you do that, Sephiroth sends you to the end of the universe, you fight him, you come back. And then the cutscene plays at the end that is showing the big image that is shown to you by the Whispers is Zack. Zack Fair, who's yeah, yeah. Aerith's boyfriend, the mentor to Cloud. Yep. They show you his last moment, which is shown in Crisis Core, the PSP yeah. game, which is him getting turned on by Shinra and Shinra show up on the cliff edge outside Midgar and basically gun him down, Yep. which is the end of Crisis Core. What is shown as you are walking away from the duel with Sephiroth is the cutscene comes back, all the Shinra guys are dead, and Zack is left standing. Jesus. Okay. And he is, and he is like, he's, he's hurt, but he's alive. Right. And you walk past him as the cutscene shows Zack walking towards Midgar, and you have a moment of Cloud and Zack realizing that they sense each other. So it is the. The point at which that game has revealed to you that this isn't a Final Fantasy VII remake. This is a Final Fantasy VII remake. Like they yeah. are, they are doing something completely different with Final Fantasy VII. They've basically gone everything that you know about Final Fantasy VII now no longer exists, and 
it is the point at which I got super excited for this project of like they are going to do something completely different with whatever Final Fantasy VII is. Zack is now potentially still alive. Aerith might never die. Like, what does this mean for this story now? Meteor hasn't really been, been a part Meteor of Meteor might not even be a thing because Sephiroth has a completely different idea now because he knows that doesn't work. Like, it is... There is... There is, like, so multiple different readings of that where it's, like... Yeah. If you look at it from, like, a pure business perspective... Well, not pure business, like a, like a, a game design perspective, you're, like... The thing has for that game has always been how are you going to retell that story and are you going to fuck yeah, with exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. And the thing they've done instead is gone, we're not telling the story at all except yeah. for these first but they, they, yeah, That's the thing of like, the, the reason that everybody was like, wait, this first part only goes up to Midgar. How does that make any sense? Because the game's fucking huge. And the reason it only goes up to Midgar is because that's the point at which they're saying to you, okay, all this stuff happened, but the rest of it, yeah, that doesn't matter. Like, something else is going to happen now. Um, that's, that's and that's... Buck wild. It's, that's... it's so crazy, and it's such a weird idea that um, they've now decided to just do a different thing with Final Fantasy VII, which is great. It makes you super Ow. excited to see what they're going to do next. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so that 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 is what happens at the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and they is a really clever sort of not fuck you from the developers, but a sort of like clever but, play on like you you thought you knew where this was going, but nah. But that's also not the, kind of because like a little bit, but because like I can imagine that there are people who are so attached to Final Fantasy VII that they were looking forward to seeing a HD remaster of core moments of that game, right? Yeah, where you're sure like, they were, yeah. What does Cosmo Canyon look like? What does that... Yeah. Um, what does the Golden Saucer look like? What does the Golden Saucer look like? What is that um, that weird RTS fight in... Um, oh, yeah, on the mountain. The name of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of that kind of stuff. And they're just like, you might not get any of this. You might get all of this. Yeah. We have no idea. We may do something completely different. Like, who knows? It's, That's super wild. I like that. It's, it's, okay. a, it's a crazy end to that game that is really ambitious, and I appreciated it a lot yeah. for them to just go... Can you imagine if Yeah, whatever. Do, can it's, you imagine if they do all of that setup and they still kill Eris? Like, can you imagine... Like, yeah, who knows? Like, they specifically call it out as, like, one of the visions you have yeah, exactly. of the fight is Eris, right. like, getting stabbed by Sephiroth. Oh, that's um, that's yeah, crazy. it's so... It's crazy. That's really cool. Um, the trial in Paradise Killer is like the ending of that game. It's. Did you finish it? No, I didn't. I, okay, I got like maybe eight hours into it and right. just couldn't. So there were so many threads and just couldn't yeah. get through. So all the, moment, the ending so. of that game is super good because. God, do I even need to spoil it? Probably not even. Yeah, you 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 probably actually do. Where like. The end of that, the trial of that, so the, the, the whole setup of the game has been like, you need to find out who did it, who murdered the council. Murdered the council, yeah. you've spent this entire game collecting evidence and testimony from everyone and noting and when stuff doesn't cross it's the over. It's the classic murder mystery thing of like, when you get further into it, it seems like everybody has a motive. Like yeah. it's, so, they play it super well of like, anybody could be the person that does it. Yeah, so when I got to the end of that game, and I had as close to 100% into that game as you possibly can before you get to the trial. Like, I've exhausted every lead, everything's gone, yeah. there's nothing left of my thing, I know everything that I can possibly know. And you go into that trial and they have a pretty... I had a pretty decent idea of who was responsible and roughly how stuff had played out in terms of, like, the timeline yeah. of how, how it all mm -hmm. happened. 
as you get in and the first and the way it does it does it is it does it in stages where like there are basically like five or six I can't remember exactly how many, but there are five or six like chunks of events where you're like Yeah. Who killed the council? They get they get they get broken down in your Starlight computer as like the main objectives yeah. of like, so you're like this thing, this thing, this who, thing. Who who killed this person? There's another murder you discovered while you're there. You're like, who killed this person? How did this person get in? Did this other person take part of it? And they split it up into all these different sections. And as you go through, like the first section, you you present all your evidence. Everyone on the island is still there, and everyone has their conversation. Everyone says, "Of course, it's not me. It can't have been me because of X, Y, and Z." Yeah. And you throw all this kind of stuff, and you leave the first section. And every section, you accuse someone, and then the judge looks at all your evidence and goes, "This is a a bulletproof argument. They must be, um, they must be um guilty." And you, the, by the end of the first section, you're like, it was you, I'm pretty sure it was you, and they do it, and she just fucking breaks. Like, it, like she just, like, pupils disappear, she just goes like fucking, like, how dare yeah. you, I am res- I am responsible, I knew what I was doing, I was doing it for the best of all, and all this kind of stuff. And so you get that bit, and then you're like, oh, okay, we've got to resolve all these other threads. You get the next thread, and it's like, well, this thread was this person, and I'm reasonably confident it was this other person. And you, you accuse them, and they're like, this is undeniable, they are guilty. And then they go, fuck, I told you this was going to happen, pointing back at the first person. Like, she was responsible for getting them to do it, and she, like it was all yeah. her plan. And it just keeps escalating out. Escalating, like, yeah. It, there was one person who was in charge of all of this stuff, and everyone was just, like, blackmailed into helping her. And it's just like, it's just it's just complete chaos. So by the time you get to the end of it, and there's multiple ways this can play out, and basically you can accuse anyone of being guilty. Yeah. And unless you've got like zero evidence, since you don't have anything better and they can't really defend themselves, they're basically guilty. And at that point, like, the judge is also the executioner. And it's just mm-hmm. like, well, no, actually, no, that's not true. You get a gun that is like justice, I think it's actually called, which is like, yeah, like, if you're guilty, the punishment for this crime is death. So, like, by the yeah. time you get to the end of the seven threads, there are, like, six guilty people out of the twelve oh, of sure, this island. Right. And you're just like, do you wish to enact justice? And you're just like, gone. gone. And you're yeah. just massacring people in this thing. Some of them are your friends. Like, some of them you've known yeah, yeah. for a long time. And you're like, well, they're definitely guilty. And... It's just this complete fucking massacre in this trial thing. That's. It's just, it's, I, I will it's say incredible. that that is like Danganronpa level totally. stupid. Like it, that's, it, it like the, the, the trials in Danganronpa get that crazy. Like it so is. Yeah. I one, really appreciate that. The one thing that kind of lets it down a little bit is that you can decide. You can. I'm trying to remember exactly how they phrase it, but the way they you can basically sentence them to death. Or you can sentence mm-hmm. them, sentence them to exile, which means that right. I mean, in the, in the in the narrative of the game, it's like they don't go on to the next island; they stay here. I think is how that works, and um, so sure. they they don't get to progress basically and are, are destined to stay here or cannot continue with the rest of the, the project. Um, yeah, you can also once you're done with that, once you've said they can go to exile. The game goes back to like you can walk around the island and go 
the people who are left standing, you can go back and talk to them. And at that point, you yeah. can also just execute them. Oh, excellent. So, like, cool. you, this is a dialogue option. This is like, uh, change my mind. Or like... Change my mind if it's you. Or you Fine. can do it to be like... like Originally, that my thought was going to be like, can you prevent somebody from being from from being executed at the trial in order to goad somebody else into doing something to then execute uh, them later on. Yeah, they that... get them later. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, the thing you can do is you can also just say to somebody, look, just run. Just go. Like, mm. I'm not... I'm mm. gonna... They don't tell you that. And it would have made much more narrative sense for the way I was playing um, uh, the, the main character that there are specific people who I would like, I would not dispense justice there. And afterwards I was like, look, you need to just fucking go. You need to get yeah, out of here because yeah. I can't do that. Um, but that whole trial is so... And also, like, it's got the persona graphics thing of, like, they're just big words just shooting across the yeah. screen. There's, like, all yeah. this like, graphic design all happening all the time. And it's just, like, it's just chaos. It's just absolute chaos and it's super yeah. enthralling and it's a great way to end that game. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, let's see what's left. Um, I'll very quickly do the... No, actually, no, you should do the next one because actually the Yakuza one's kind of big, potentially. Sure. Um, so my next one is the sporting event for Not Broadcast. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> uh, right, so the the whole time you're playing Not For, Bro- Not for Broadcast uh, as a news producer, they, they're constantly talking about this sporting event that is going to happen as like a way to unify the nation like everybody wants to right. watch this it's going to be super sure. important and um yeah it's just like one of the biggest things in the biggest things in the calendar you go in the day and they say we're going to handle the outside broadcast for the sporting event for the news mm-hmm. you have access to all the cameras inside the sporting event and also the outside camera to our man in the field okay. um who so you, you're basically going to be producing it for this channel. Gotcha. Um, and you're like, right, cool. This is super important. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. Get into it and the sporting event starts and you you cut to your outside broadcast man and he talks about how like this is the final to a like, long tournament that has happened over the course of months and now we have the two best, the two best athletes in the country ready to vie for the championship. Cut to the cameras inside the thing and it is like, Two, cam- two cameras, one on each of the competitors, and you cut to the first one, and they introduce the, the person, and they have, like, dumb Monty Python names, like it's Himbley Splimble and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah, that, like yep. dumb names. Yep. So they cut to, cut to the first one, and it's this woman, and they, they talk about her past, and how, like, she has amazing technique, and, like, newcomer to the game that's never seen anything, and they cut to the next person, it's, like, some guy, and it's, like, oh, the old stalwart that's been here many times is gonna be, like, a battle of the old versus the new. Right. Cut, and then you go cut to the wide shot so you cut to the wide shot and you see what the sporting event is and all you see is these two people behind red rope with a referee in the middle and a big plastic bin and they're like and you're like okay so they start the sporting event and they meet at the they meet at the referee and they sort of have like a back and forth and stuff all the while you're meant to be like cutting between cameras and like yeah, yeah, getting yeah. good angles and stuff Cut to the start of the sporting event. They go back behind their ropes and you very quickly realise the sporting event is two people in the most flamboyant way possible trying not to throw beanbags into a bin. Trying not like, to throw beanbags into a bin. Not to throw beanbags into a bin. If they throw the beanbag into the bin, it's a, fo- it's a foul. So, 
they are and it is the craziest most british sense of humor bullshit where it's like people like throwing it behind their back like under their leg doing fancy spins all the while just like fucking throwing beanbags at this bin and like the referee is taking it super seriously where he's like holding his hand up and like measuring stuff and like looking for seeing things touching the bin and like calling in outside refs and stuff and it's it's hilarious to sit and watch these people take it seriously and every so often you get to cut back to your guy doing the outside broadcast and he's like he's looking he's got his stick mic and he's looking down the camera he's like looking over at the field and yeah. somebody would do something and he turns back to the camera and goes oh my that was a bold move let's see what happens next and turns back to the <laughs> event <laughs> like he's giving no context whatsoever he's just like mm, that's interesting and turns back and it's it's i was dying with laughter at how good this thing was being handled because they have a whole like scandal like some people does like an illegal move and stuff like that like it's it's brilliant and it ties back into the bigger narrative because there's a whole thing about uh since the the far right left government has come into power all the rich are obviously like super scared sure so there are these like there are these like protests of the ultra rich that are happening in the country where they're all, like, getting naked and saying, like, don't take our money, but they're wearing, like, really fancy monocles and top hats and stuff like that. Right. And, like, a, a bunch of streakers rush the pitch. The pitch, <laughs> by the way... Okay. The pitch, by the way, is just, like, a fucking, like, town hall somewhere in Middle England. Like, it's some nice. random fucking hall somewhere. These streakers rush the pitch that are in like top hats and pigs and you get a message in your ear that's like do not show nudity on tv get these streakers off screen so you have to like cut around the streakers because they're just like walking around the hall so they're in like every shot so you have to jump between things really quickly um and it i was i was it was a struggle to finish that episode because it was so funny um like I was dying with laughter at the end of it. It was so brilliant. It like really... the combination the combination of those guys, the guys taking it super seriously as the sporting people, the sport itself being horrifically dumb, the outside broadcast guy being there as their sports guy but providing no context for the sport whatsoever and is just going, mm, that's interesting, is great. And then the streakers, it's just brilliant. It's such a well shot thing. Yeah. Um it sounds like a lot yeah, of that it's game, amazing. It sounds like a lot of that game could be the humor in that game could be done really cheesily. It feels like but it feels like they've yeah. really nailed like They've got that that sense of humor that they're going for. They have got to a T. Like right. they know exactly what they're doing. It's it's perfect. It's so perfect for what that thing is. Yeah. And it is yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's so funny. It's sure. like they, every, everybody needs to play this game just to see yeah, it. It's I, I so good, to, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the Yakuza one. How far did you? I didn't. I only put redacted in here because I knew you were playing that game, and I didn't want to give this bit away. I while got you were to the playing point it. where I un, I unlocked the like management bit. Okay, where you, like manage businesses. I got to that, and then so had you started? Had the team started working in the warehouse yet? No. Okay. So the the kind of one of the god there's like seven layers to this game the story of this game but like one of the initial parts that gets the team together is the person who kind of helped you originally is murdered or they they claim it as suicide mm-hmm. but they know they they know that they were murdered and you're basically trying to track down the person who murdered them and one of the ways you do that is you know that they work for one of the mafias one of the the triad, the, they're not the triad. Yeah. The triad is a specific thing, but the three mafia groups that work here, 
um, that are working in that are yeah. working in this area. One of them is probably responsible, and they run a import export business. So sure. you yeah. go in undercover as uh, to work in this warehouse to try and figure out what the fuck's going on. Um, and one of the things you discover is that there is no way that this warehouse makes money. Like absolutely zero. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. They are importing a bunch of stuff and selling it for basically at cost in cash. Okay. So zero. It's a zero profit. So there's zero that's... way they could be making any profit in this. It possibly even losing money. And yet this thing is like the cornerstone of how they're they fund themselves. And you're like, what the fuck yeah. is even happening here? And you like open one of the because one of the things you get in there when you see this, you don't even know what they're import exporting, and you crack it open. And it's like, oh, this is like rare foods or like like rare ingredients that they're then selling to the restaurants in the area. But like, it seems super expensive, and they're selling it for nothing. Like, how is this fucking even working? And then you open one of the crates, and underneath a bunch of it is just like sheets of paper. But like good mm-hmm. quality paper, and you're like, what the fuck is even happening there? And you witness a, tra- a trade that's happening where like the person who did the importing comes up to the desk and is like, hey, here's my invoice, pay me. And one of your team is working behind the desk, or they're posing as somebody working behind the desk, and they go to the safe and they're like, oh, they called the supervisor, or like, oh, they don't have any, there's no money in the safe, I can't pay this guy. And the guy, yeah. and the guy in charge goes, oh, okay, I'll deal with it. Disappears up to the office in this warehouse comes back down with a briefcase full of money and you're like okay so is there like another is there like another like safe up there or something like that it says don't worry about it it's fine and you basically come to the conclusion that they're pressing money they're faking money forging money right yeah and you're like okay this is the way we get to expose them right because if we can get one of these fake bills out Take that to the police. That gives the police enough to raid this thing and shut the whole thing down. And sure, yeah, get yeah. in there. So there's this whole thing, and <laughs> get to the point where you get the bill out, or you try and get the bill out, and they catch you. And there's this big boss fight, and the whole warehouse explodes, right? And you're just like, well, that's okay, the sure. end of that, right? They're done, right? They can't, they they can't make their money anymore. This import business is gone. That entire, that's the punishment, right? And then yeah. one of the other triads appears and you start having interactions with them and you get knocked out and taken into their inner lair. And it's this like kind of weirdly like high-tech place where they have a room where they basically are watching every security camera in the area because their whole thing is sure, they're trading yeah. information. So like ah, they're watching okay. everything that's happening or selling this on. That's how they make their money. And you just go into this back room and there's just this giant incomprehensibly weird machine that looks like you know like the picture the 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 like you've seen like um car ro- car building robots with like the arms yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the like arms, that yeah, yeah. but there's like they're like kind of looks like a 3d printer with those arms but also like stuff's levitating in the middle of it and it's like super high tech oh. and it's green and it's like what the fuck is this and it's like no 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 this is where we make the fake money and you're like, what the fuck? What? So they're not. So when he goes up to the roof to get the thing down, he's just getting them the fake money. Like he's just got it stored yeah. up there. This other group are actually the people making money. The in ones this that make the fake money. Incomprehensible machine with like lasers and, and it's super high quality and is like you have to really know what you're doing to see the forgery. And it's just it's just this insane machine that they've got sitting in their back thing where they're just making all this fake money. And also that's the point where right. the story turns. And, like, the whole story up to that point has been, like, 
The only reason this area exists is because these three factions basically have mutually assured destruction, where if any one of them makes a move on any of the other ones, all of this falls apart because they're all just right, like self-supporting yeah. on each other. So the fact that you say, wait, so you're like, wait, you're making fake money and these guys are also making fake money? How the fuck does that matter? And says, no, 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 we're responsible for all the fake money. (laughs) They just, they just, and you're just like, what the fuck is even happening? And then immediately after that, once you get out of that, that's the point where you're like, you're supposed to track something down for a different part of the story. And you walk into a room and the heads of all three families are sitting having dinner. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's like, no, 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 we all work together. Because the actual bad person is the mayor of the town, and you're just like, "What the fuck is he?" Oh god! And it's just it just. But the moment for me, it was like a lot of that game has been up to that point. Like Yakuza craziness, but they've storified a lot of it as like a lot of this is happening in Ichi's head because he likes video games, and we talk about it in the video that we did about it. But this is the first time it's like there is no way this is happening in Ichi's head. This is actually happening, and you've got some insane machine that's printing money, and also all of the story revolves around this dumb fucking thing. It's glorious. It's absolutely brilliant. Amazingly well. And yeah. it takes six hours for all of this stuff to resolve, and you're just like, I have, I have zero idea how any of this is going to go. And it never it never yeah. goes the way you're expecting it to go. It's just, it's brilliant. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, another one from Not For Broadcast is The Play. Um, so this was uh, part of the setup of the story this far left group called Advance who've taken over have put out a statement to say that they are contributing back to society by funding the arts. So they yeah. are giving a lot of funding to artists to go and create art for society to help like everybody get used to the change. Uh, and But because it is like incredible socialism, like supreme socialism, they're basically giving money to anybody that asks for it. Um, yeah. And one of the people that have asked for it is this theater trip who primarily do you know the sort of people that would like come to your primary school and do like stranger danger stuff? oh god yeah okay yep uh-huh so it's a group like that who have taken the money to go and make a play like for the people um but and you they have been brought onto the show as like a look at the good work that advance are doing for the uk there are the these artists are going to come in and they're going to show us their part of their play that that is going to be done up and down the country uh-huh so is this this, this amdram theater group doing this play about it's basically about like not ostracizing people and being nice and making friends yeah. um so it's, ba- it's basically like a play for primary school kids yeah, but yeah, done yeah. across the country of course. and you have been given the task of producing the play for the live audience in the theater so you're producing it to go out so you have to do your cuts to dialogue so you have to like cut to the right person who's talking and doing all this stuff and obviously it's awful like it's a terrible terrible play yeah um because it's amateur dramatics and they're all terrible um and it's it's like the it's one of the worst things you've ever seen and then there is a halfway through the first act of the play they cut to doing a song because of course they have to do a song yep. um, about like friendship and being nice to people and stuff like that. And you then get told, oh yeah, the audience will really like it if you cut this well, like fitting to the music and stuff like that. And so you get told that you should like cut to the beat and stuff like that. And what you realize that you're actually doing is making a music video, but for this terrible amateur dramatic song about friendship for kids. Excellent. And it is... 
it is the worst thing you've ever heard, but it's so funny. Um, <laughs> and, like, people are forgetting their lines. People have, like, a mental breakdown halfway through. Like, it is... It's brilliant. And the interview that they do before the play is amazing as well. Like, there's there are people taking it really seriously. And then there are people who are just like, I don't know why we were given this money. Um, it's... Oh, it's brilliant. It's just such... A, it's another, like, amazing moment in that game mm-hmm. where... You can see that they're, they're they're taking the mechanics and twisting it on its head, but they're doing it for a really dumb joke, which I really appreciate. Sure. Um, yeah, it's great. It's so good. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah, the two I've got here are pretty small. Um, riding the pipe in Deep Rock Galactic is basically just um, the pipe thing I talked about earlier. Um, the type, yeah, we the use pipe scale on mode. pipes. And this is the idea that like they solved this mechanical problem in a really dumb, cool way. Of just being like, yeah. why can you skate on them? I don't know. You've got a skateboard. Fucking go for it. Because you can. It's, it's oh, is it actually fun. on a skateboard? or is It's it... not a skateboard. It's like a mechanical platform that just suddenly appears right, okay. for no reason. Sure. Um, okay. It's essentially great. a skateboard. It's great. Um, and then the, the doctor phase change from other side is just the... It's kind of the moment we've talked about with a couple of things so far of like... The, do- the, the doctor bot, which is the first boss, um, has a phase change halfway through where... They take the already ridiculous soundtrack for that first boss fight, and that's the point where they add the vocals that are just so intense, and just so yeah. huge that you're just like, "Oh, okay, we're going for this, huh?" Got you. Yeah, this is a really cool moment in that yeah, game. Yeah, cool moment. Um, uh, so I've got left. Oh, right, the ending to Hades. Right, so the ending is in air quotations on our thing. Yeah, uh, because this this is. Which ending. ending is this? Yeah. So th- this is the ending where the credits roll, right. which is not the final ending, but this is the credit rolling ending. Okay. Where, so I said before, you had to go and do these runs to go and meet your mother, and you, you basically over the course of you doing the runs and going to meet your mum, you learn the story of Persephone and Hades and how Zagreus came into being, sure, and why that was not the best idea. You learn a whole bunch of stuff about like how. Zagreus was stillborn and uh, thought the Persephone thought that her child had died, so ran away, and that's how she ended up on the surface. But you were actually brought back to life by Nyx. Um, the whole story of how Persephone and Hades actually came to be a part, a, a thing like an item where yeah. like Persephone was basically given to Hades by Olympus. Um, the fact that they, when Persephone discovered that she was pregnant, she thought she never could be, but. If, if if anybody on Olympus ever found out there would be hell and basically there'd be like war between Olympus and Hades. Gotcha. Um, you learn all this stuff over the course of iteration and the story as it gets revealed as you talk to Persephone and Hades and stuff is basically a lot of the story revolves around how do dysfunctional families come together? Like right. how, how in a group of people that all have these problems with each other, how do people unite? Like you, it's all about the, a lot of the stories and a lot of the side stories are about uniting people and like yes. bringing them together despite all of their problems, which you see in the side story of like Orpheus and Eurydice and Achilles mm. and uh, Patroclus and all these things. Yeah, but it's the main story is between these people, and you get to your mum at the final moment after the tenth run, and she's there, and you've explained the whole story, and you've explained that Hades actually still really loves her even ever after everything that's happened. It's just a uh, it, 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 they, they they do love each other it's just these these circumstances have driven them to this situation and you get there and mum your mother has like got a bunch of boxes packed and 
you say you explain everything to her and she says i've decided to come back like come back to the underworld and zagreus is over the moon and says like oh i'm gonna get my mother back and we're gonna like go and talk to hades and stuff and he's like how do we get back and it's like it's okay i've taken care of it and charon turns up on his boat outside your mom's house and ferries you back to the underworld right um all the while this song called in the blood is playing uh which is an ashley barrett and darren corb yep. duo again that's really really good um i'll talk about it more in the original track but does this whole thing it like takes you through all the areas that you've been through so you go through elysium and you go through mm. um tartarus and all these things all the credits are rolling and you get to uh the door of the house of hades and you walk through the front door and you expect like you basically expect everything to go wrong you expect hades to like fly of off the handle and yeah and you get there and hades is standing at the front door and persephone's there and they have a really honest conversation about their relationship and how they both still really care for each other but the circumstances drove them apart and really long sequence and the game basically ends with the family becoming reunited and they understand that everybody has flaws and everybody has made mistakes but at the end of the day they're a family of people that love each other and should be together Mm. and the game ends with the the game shows you uh, a family portrait of you and your persephone and hades and cerberus as a family portrait and they're all happy and smiling and like everything's everything's great and you you walk out the door into the house of hades and like persephone's talking to your dad and hades actually like starts giving you compliments and starts like huh. talking to you like a human being persephone's there as like a really nice medium of like all the people are obviously wanting to see persephone because she's not been in the underworld for years so like you get to see her interactions with like meg and dusa and all these people that are really genuine about her place in the underworld and stuff like that it is it's a surprising end to that game where when you expect the twist to be this all goes wrong for everybody yeah. it doesn't and it's just really nice like there is this huh. really heartfelt family moment at the end okay um it's a lovely it's a lovely lovely little bit of moment that um really caps off the like first ending to that game sure there's another part of story after it that expands on it sure um but yeah it's an excellent bit um, um i very quickly added something that i can talk about very briefly oh, okay. um sure. from cyberpunk where it's basically the end of judy's storyline so i i don't get this because i was a male yeah i so i was playing a female, a female character only thing. yeah so you wouldn't have seen this so this is so judy's one of the the potential love interests in that game and the end of her storyline um after you've done a bunch of the, the rest of our storyline is not really related to this it's more just a case of like you've been on adventures together and have grown closer but the final mission yeah. the final the final thing with her so you learn kind of early on with judy that she goes scuba diving like that's a that's a one of her interests and she says hey meet us out out here uh, out in the middle of nowhere or just outside the city at this place and we'll go diving so okay sure or no she actually says i want to try something with because she does bd recordings so she's like hey i yeah. want to try i've developed something i want to try it if you want to come out and you go out and she's got like this little cottage is a generous word but like shack out shack. there um where she goes scuba diving and like 
V at that point goes like, yeah, this water's like toxic, right? Oh, this is, oh yeah, this is a real heavy duty fucking suit. Don't worry about it. Um, and there's a setup for like why you're doing this, and basically that she's managed. She thinks she's figured out a way to merge two BD streams into the one, so that you'd get two people's emotions rather than just the one. And all but that's not really the important bit. The important bit is like what happens and how she tests it. Is you basically do you go diving in that water. And you, you dive, go a little bit and then you come to like, I don't know what the technical name for it is, but you know the things that like deep sea divers or uh, yeah, deep sea divers use with like weighted platforms where it drags you like right yeah. down to the, one of them. Yeah. You grab onto that and you go down to the surf, down to the, the base of the, the river. And that area was flooded intentionally by, or it was intentionally, I think it was pretty, yes, it was, it was intensively, inten- intentionally flooded. And you discover that the town that's underneath here is where Judy grew up. Like, this is where she was yeah. born and where she grew up. Uh, and you basically go around this town where she grew up. And because you're both wearing BD helmets or wreaths, um, you're getting each other's emotions and feelings. So as you're going around right. this thing, you're hearing her as a child like the stuff that happens so you hear like kids playing and you hear like conversations that only she would hear and all of this kind of stuff and you start to get and you, it's basically a really good way to learn more about her as a person like she grew up with yeah. her grandparents and um uh you get bits and pieces of this and it's just a really cool very constricted storytelling moment that is really really yeah. effective in telling more about that, that character who i already who, the more you go on the more is, is really good but it's a really it's a really nice way of telling that story and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel um like i need, I need to lore dump about this it's like no it's an actually really good yeah. way of telling that story so yeah it's pretty good yeah um, um and the twist so in the, the last yeah the, the the raid um it's a very very small thing but it's cool okay. for like uh destiny nerds where <laughs> sure you uh in the second encounter like i was saying before you you're trying to find the the architect the fallen architect who's trying to make exos basically yeah um he's called atarax one and you meet him and you find him and he's already turned himself into an exo so he's okay. robotic this robotic fallen and he's manipulating this pod uh and you see him through like heavy glass and he manipulates this pod and turns around and sees you and opens the pod up and bunch of gas comes out and outbursts um the, this like fallen bursts out and you 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 realize if you if you know who he is you realize instantly who it is and it's tanix who is like destiny one level like he was like a strike boss in destiny one but he oh, is oh yeah uh-huh he's a fallen that you have killed multiple times like he keeps coming back with different parts and oh. this, the Atarax has found the body of Tanix and is trying to actively turn him into an Exo. So he wakes him up and Tanix goes fucking mental because he opens the thing and the first thing he sees is you again. Yeah. So he goes insane, starts like trying to punch through the glass and then like skitters away. And you don't see him. And then you go up to the Morningstar and he's there. And at that point, the AI is trying to crash Morningstar in to basically blow up Europa with like nukes that are on the station. Yeah, yeah. So you're trying to stop these nukes and Tanix is there half exoed, so he's like part robot and he's he's trying to like stop you the whole time but you stop the nuke cap from happening and the thing crashes into the the surface of Europa outside of the Deepstone Crypt and you get out and the final part of Tanix's 
like exoification, I guess you could call it, happens, and he bursts out of the wreckage of this station, and he is like half shank, like he is <laughs> taking the half of his body and put it on like a heavy shank, Jeez. and giving himself like extra arms and stuff like that. So it's like the final iteration of Tanix, and you have to take down Tanix again for like the third time. Um, and you take him out and you like blow him up and make sure he's dead. But it was just this cool moment of going, "Oh fuck, it's you again!" And yeah. then watching him go mental at you. It was <laughs> it was pretty interesting. It was a cool moment. Um, nice for Destiny nerds. Nice. Um, but yeah, the last two things. Uh, you can't shoot a hole in the surface of Mars. Yeah. Um, really cool moment in Doom where it or Doom Eternal where it, like it goes back to being original Doom where there's a ancient maker city inside the core of Mars. And you found, oh, what's his name again? Hayden? Hayden yeah. at this point, who's like half a robot. It's like telling you all the ways you could do it. The meanwhile, the Doom guy is just like at the platform of his fucking space base, calibrating a bunch of stuff and like hitting a bunch of buttons and realize that on the screen that he's pointing the giant cannon that he has at the surface of Mars, like yep. directly into the middle of Mars. And Hayden eventually stops and is like, I know what you're trying to do. You can't shoot a hole into the surface of Mars, and Doom Guy fucking loads himself into this cannon and fires himself out of this ship into the surface of Mars and punches a hole directly into the surface and lands like at the foot of the Maker City. It is one of the most like Doom Guy moments of him just going, "I'm not listening to you." Like the the easiest way for me to get to the city is to fire a hole in a fucking planet and get there and he yep. does and it's brilliant <laughs> yep yep it's so stupid it's so dumb um and yeah. then I and the, this... la- right, the, the gtfo thing is a very personal thing to me but i thought it was really cool yeah where so i i joined gtfo after as, as we said after like ewan and all of his friends had been playing it for a while and this yeah. was like the first time i'd played it and we went through a rundown and we'd beat it which nobody would expect us to do we'd beat no. this rundown no. And I was like, oh, cool, that was awesome. Let's go and see what this new thing is. And everybody was like, yeah, we've not done this yet. Like, yeah. we don't know what this is this either. Was t- this was totally new to us as well. We'd never touched this yeah. level before. Brand new, never touched it. And the... Um, I can't remember the name of the levels, but it was something like shoot it in the back or something like that was so the name of the level. When For people who haven't seen it, when, the, when you launch into one of those levels, you get dropped. Um, you basically all get strapped into these pods and dropped into this underground base. And as you get dropped you get a quote from or like a radio message from the last team who went through there yeah and it basically says like what the hell is that shoot it in the back shoot it in the back i think is exactly what the phrase says something like that and we so we went through it and uh there was like new stuff there and it was cool and everything and then it got to the point where this new enemy showed up that no one had seen before and it was this like weird emaciated corpse with like crystals shoot out the back of it so and the other the other important part of this um some of the security doors in that game a bunch of the security doors set off alarms which are basically wave-based yeah. things being yeah, yeah, yeah. protect the door and do all this kind of stuff but there's a reverse of that where there's um some of the doors have like motion detectors activated which basically means there is a swarm of something behind this door that yeah. you need to prepare yourself for. So we knew there was a bunch of stuff behind this door. And we'd set up yeah. turrets and got all ready and somebody had hit the button and ran back. And then, yeah, this swarm... Yeah, weird sort of, like, jet black emaciated corpse with, like, no hands and crystals growing out of its back started running at us. Yeah. And 
everyone panicked. Yeah. Like, it was sheer of, like, we've never seen this before. What the fuck do we do? Oh, God. Yeah. And then it was we like, did, well, the we thing did. said shoot it in the back, so shoot the crystals. Um, yeah, it was just this weird moment of, like, it really showed what that game did really well, yeah. which was, like, even the people that have played it forever, it's doing brand new stuff every single to, to the point where even those guys are scared yeah and i was like that's awesome like that's such a cool thing when to do you like you can like we said like we said already like that game is so stacked against you that you take any yeah. victory you can so like by the time you've got to a certain position you have a playbook right you have like your, yeah, yeah, yeah the small guys you deal with this the big guys you deal with this the scouts with the tentacles you do this 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 like we have a plan and then you just have to like yeah. go with when it goes wrong but when it does something at you that you have no plan for, it is just chaos. It is just complete yeah. panic and scrambling. And yeah, it's yeah. It was it, awesome. I'm glad you got moment. to see that moment of like we yeah. have no, we have no. Plan. It really, it really that thing sold me on like yeah. the the GTFO experience as an yeah. idea because that was like yeah they're they're twisting it so much that even like veterans are like what the fuck do we do? Oh my yep. god! Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, yep. yeah, it was pretty cool. It was it was excellent. Um. Okay, so what do we want? I feel like that Final Fantasy VII one has to be there. Yeah, that, that was fucking crazy. So yeah, recontextualizes that entire game in a really cool yeah. way. It, it it also like it twists your your expectation. It was it was when I really sat and thought about it. It was them twisting the word remake. Yeah, to where. Everybody thought it was just an HD remaster, but they're actually remaking Final Fantasy VII, and yeah. that's a really cool idea. And I also love the idea yeah. that they simultaneously solve the biggest narrative problem with that game, which is how do you tell that story again in a way that everyone's yeah. happy with, and also as a kind of like, we're not going to go through this again, we are not having the yeah. end discussion, we are not having the all of that stuff. Like We're, just we're not go. having Meteor and the white, yeah, the white like, material. Yeah, we're just going to do our own thing now. And I am fascinated to know what hardcore yeah. seven fans. I'm fascinated think to see what happens when when Zach just shows up again. Yeah, like, right? Because that recontextualizes like who Cloud is as a character as and well. Because Cl- he's like the whole the whole point is that he was supposed to mirror Zach through like emotional trauma. Yeah. But now Zach's a real person again. So what the fuck does that mean? And, like, and like yeah, Cloud's relationship with Aerith and stuff like that. Yeah, is like that like, as well? How yeah. does that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's super interesting. Um. I like the trial in Paradise Killer. I think is a really good capstone on that game of just like utter, just sanity bonkers. Like yeah. we have just because it, it's one of those moments where once all that's over and you'd like actually breathe again when you get some breathing space, you realize that like, oh, this entire, this entire project. And I, I can't even go into the entire story of that game because it's just something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But like the entire project is now just like, it seems like it has 100% failed, but we are going ahead and doing it again anyway. And yeah. you're just like, okay, yeah. fine. Let's just fucking do this. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. That seems okay. Yeah. Um, what else do we go? Where else do we go here? I... Um, you, I know you've not done it yet, but you're gonna have to trust me that uh, Hades on Extreme Measures Four. Yeah, is I, that was kind of where unreal. I thought that was unreal. It's so good, like it's it's a crazy moment that yeah. just it fl- it 
it does so many things differently that, and then gives you a complete third phase that you've got no fucking idea about. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really good. Okay, it's so good. I could, I could go with that. Um, is there anything else on here that's probably worth it? I, I'd say that Yakuza thing is bonkers, but it requires so much setup and so much follow up that at yeah. a moment it doesn't quite hit the same, hit the same thing. I'll point, I'll point out the the sporting event from Not for Broadcast is yeah, dude. I need to go play that one, game. One of I need to... one of the funniest things I've seen in a video game. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's great. Okay, so if we t- if we take those three, the last two hours of Final yeah. Fantasy Seven, the trial for Paradise. Killer I would say I would, I would I would I would maybe change the Final Fantasy thing thing to just say like the finale, the like finale. That's, yeah, because okay. like saying the last two hours is really yeah wishy washy. Like the okay. finale is like there's a very definitive moment that that happens. okay. Um, okay, cool. I am kind of thinking it's Final Fantasy because yeah, it's the effect. Like it, it is very. I the last thing I expected from most of that game was for it to be uh, ambitious. Like yeah, I expected it to be a HD re. re I expected it to be a remake. I expected it to be an HD remake of that game. Yeah, so that everyone you and everybody cares. Did, yeah. Is going to be happy, and for them to just at the end of this part one or whatever it is to just go, now nah, fuck all y'all, we're doing this again is yeah, so buck wild in like seven different re- ways. It recontextualizes a whole, the whole expectation of a story, and like the players, the players' expectations, and then also justifies the whole project that needed to exist because like most people. When the Final Fantasy VII remake got announced, they were like, oh my god, they're just remaking Final Fantasy VII because people have asked for it for years. Ha ha, yeah. isn't that a joke? But now, with that, it's justified the existence of that whole project as them going, oh no, we're actually going to do something different. Like, like it's not this just is basically what... like, it's almost a new Final Fantasy at this point, right? Because they're yeah, just pretty like, much, yeah. we're taking this, these characters, or like it's Final Fantasy VII 2 or something yeah it's the it's the world and the characters but the story is like now drastically different i also Um, really like the idea of this new sephiroth who knows about the existence of the original game yeah and is like it's implied that that's what that's what he is it's it's not confirmed but it is like heavily implied that he the way he talks about stuff he 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 speaks as if he knows what meteor is and he knows that if he goes for it he's gonna fail right like that's the sort of chat that he has so he's going back and trying something else did you say you see flashes of yeah so when you're so are they like fight the when you fight the um the whisper constructions Mm -hmm. there are whispers that like kind of like pass through you as you're fighting and every time one of them passes through you you get this like flash of a it's like it's it's the cutscene that you know but done in the new engine it's that so that that's what i was but, gonna say it's not the original graphics it's like they've redone that no cut- it's the new right. graphics so okay. it's like a really high res meteor coming towards medgar it's like a really high it's the Aerith model getting stabbed like it's right it's yeah it's really cool yeah i think it might be that oh yeah i'm with you that thing's insane yeah that's so bold in a game i expected to be the least bold thing yeah absolutely um cool let's go with that then so that's the finale from um, Final Fantasy VII Remake with The Trial from Paradise Killer and Ian for Hades for the runners-up. It also... Yep. The other thing I like about that is it justifies the dumb name as oh, well. Oh, yeah, Remake, yeah. Where, yeah, like, it's... they're telling you... Like, it was such a stupid name for they, that they, thing. They, they signposted it for years by calling it Remake. It's yeah. just no one actually thought about the word. No and one when, believed them. What does that mean? Exactly. Yeah.
Wow. Huh. Yeah, it's a really cool that's, thing. That's great. That's great.